it was the first registration. Did you catch that in the reading? The first registration. So you know the rumors had to be flying. Even though we don't have an independent historical record of this particular registration, we do know that these things happened in the Roman Empire from time to time. And when they did, the rumors swirled around them. We know from extant Roman records that these registrations were often efforts to count people and categorize people to find out who belonged where. And they were often followed, as they are today, by ethnic cleansing or efforts to put certain populations in ghettos or simply to frighten certain groups into greater and greater compliance. So if Luke is right in saying that this was the very first of one of these efforts by Rome to assert authority, the people had to be buzzing. What is this all about? Are we going to be detained in our hometown when we get there? Deported? Imprisoned? If you were a part of a group that existed on the edges of empire, you had reason to worry when Rome announced a registration. And Mary and Joseph were certainly part of such a group. Poor Jewish from the city of David. It's 80 to 90 miles as the crow flies from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Even longer on foot, and the road would certainly be crowded with other travelers. After all, as we were just told, the whole empire is moving. Everyone's going to their own hometowns. Some are going from Bethlehem to Nazareth and vice versa. Some are going from Jerusalem to Capernaum, from Caesarea to Antioch. It was a mess. Everyone is on edge. Rumors are flying. Back when we were allowed to do such things, Kim and I traveled to France way back in 2019, which feels like another world. We went there to do a wedding. And because the wedding was in the south of France in a town called Carcassonne, we flew into Spain via the Barcelona airport and rented a car for the drive to the small medieval fortress town. It was a breathtaking drive with the Pyrenees mountains on the west, the Mediterranean Sea on the east. After a delightful time in Carcassonne with a side trip to Geneva to get our reformed uh, fix, we drove back to Barcelona and we planned to return the rental car to the airport and catch a cab to our hotel and enjoy two more nights in this great Spanish city before we returned home. As we were driving inside the airport, we, looking for the car return, the car rental return, we heard a commotion 
and a bunch of motorcycles began kind of buzzing in and out and around all of our cars. Some were holding flags aloft and banners. They were rather loud and boisterous. Traffic came to a standstill. We were there in that one spot for over an hour. And after a while, people began to get out of their cars, and Kim asked some folks, some of whom were pacing around outside their vehicles, what's happening? And of course, the rumors abounded. Was it a terrorist attack? Some sort of hazardous spill, a, a, a crash? It was only as we made it to the return rental, rental return and were standing and waiting for a cab that everything became clear. A large, very large crowd of young people chanting and holding flags uh, crowded into that airport area. They were Catalan separatists protesting the imprisonment of one of their leaders just that morning. And they had shut down the entire airport. It was the first time Anything like this had happened at the airport in Barcelona the first time, and Kim and I were there to witness it. Chaos ensued, and we joined a sea of people who were dragging suitcases, some with small children on their backs, walking the two-plus miles to the nearest road where we could hail a cab, we didn't know the language. Everyone was on edge. Rumor had it the whole city was on lockdown. At one point, I saw this young couple. Uh, more and more of the couples look young to us these days. Trying to climb over this metal barrier. And the man said something rather harshly to his harried partner, which prompted her to give him a look accompanied by, let's just call it, the universal hand signal of frustration. There are some things that translate across the language barrier. And when I was preparing for this sermon, I kept thinking about that little two-mile trip, the rather short journey that we took on foot. And I was wondering how many pregnant women were in that crowd, in that sea of people. As many people as were there, there had to be some. On the move, in the airport, danger lurking around every corner, it seemed. I think that we are guilty sometimes of putting a veneer of Christmas sweetness over this story. When by all accounts, it had to have been a harrowing journey lots of chaos and danger, known and unknown, an unknown outcome. And this young, engaged, but not yet married couple with Mary, very pregnant, vulnerable, frustrated, afraid. Kim and I got just a taste of that kind of journey, and it was more than enough to last a lifetime. So as you might suspect, given all of the above, there was no room in the inn there in Bethlehem. And soon enough, Mary is in labor, giving birth to her firstborn. 
and putting him in the feeding trough. And rumor has it that this baby is good news, gospel, lying there in that Bethlehem stall. The shepherds are the first ones to hear the rumor out in the fields, far away from the migrations occurring all around them. A single angel spreads the news at first. Good news, great joy for all the people. The angel announces the birth of a Savior, a Messiah, a Lord. Those are loaded words, you know. In the first century and in the 21st century, a Savior, a Messiah, a Lord. Even the angel thinks these words will seem far too wonderful for these simple shepherds. And so the angel announces a sign for them. You will find a baby wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger. Now the baby part, the bands of cloth part, that's pretty normal. But the manger, that's what's not normal about this story. That's the sign. The sign is not this angel that terrified them. The sign is not the sky full of angels that will come and announce glory. None of that is enough to convince these shepherds that Savior, Messiah, and Lord is possible. It will remain only a rumor. Only the baby in the manger can carry the message. The announcement rings out this night as it has for millennia. A rumor of gospel in the air. It competes with other rumors, other gossip on this night. I was just watching the Santa tracker on NORAD before I came in here. And if I'm right, Santa is just right on the edge of the Europe right now, getting ready to head across the Atlantic Ocean, headed west toward us. Lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. Of course, there are other things in the air as well. Omicron is floating along up there with Santa this year. And the rumor is that it's raging around the world, already disrupting Christmas gatherings, making us question whether to hug or elbow bump or just nod, to feast around a table or watching a screen, to sit shoulder to shoulder in the sanctuary on Christmas Eve or in your PJs looking at us on the screen, to preach in a mask or or not. 2021, we're told, is on track to be more deadly for our nation than 2020 was. Or so I heard. Rumors abound for us on this holy night. Some of you have heard rumors of diagnoses. We've all heard rumors of wars and rumors of wars. Mental illness that grips our nation just as much as this pandemic. We hear all these voices so much, so much, that the rumor of gospel, the angel song, the babe in the manger, gets crowded out, grows faint, 
But here we are. Whether you're here on the live stream or here right here and now. The table spread before us. The music and the prayers and the hymns. Joining voices with choirs of angels. We are here having put down our phones, I hope. Turned off the televisions. Emerging from all the noise. So that we can hear that still small voice. Of a mother rocking her baby. Her feet still sore from the long journey. Of a father nervously putting together plans in his head of what comes next. We are here alongside the shepherds hearing a rumor of gospel summoned as they were to come and see the sign, the baby wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger. I know it's rather unbelievable, right? It can't be true, given all of the other. It's just a rumor. Frederick Beatner tells the story of a Christmas pageant in an Episcopal church that was led by a friend of his. And everything in the pageant was going according to plan. Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus had come down front, taken their place. The animals had come in on cue, the shepherds. Wise men. Then it came time for the angels to make their appearance. They all came down the center aisle, all but one angel, a little girl who was shorter and slower than all the rest. When she got to the front, the scene had been set. The angels surrounded the scene, and the short and slow one was kind of blocked out was straining to see. And suddenly a little voice pierced the silence, penetrating in its urgency, that one little angel crying out with urgency, let Jesus show. Let Jesus show. Perhaps there's no better prayer on this Christmas Eve. Let Jesus show. Beyond all the rumors, let Jesus show beyond the trappings of commercialized Christmas. Let Jesus show transcending all of the fears that accompany us this night, all of the grief, all of the loss. Let Jesus show. Let us cry out. Let Jesus show. You see those shepherds? The ones who were terrified when the angel came. The ones who rushed off to see if this craziness was true. Rumor has it, Luke tells us, they were out in those same fields a little bit later on, singing and dancing, glorifying and praising God. Not because of the angels, but because they saw the baby. And the baby is the one who carries the message this night. He is Savior and Messiah and Lord. And here on this night, we come to this table with a witness on our lips 
confirmed in bread and wine that this is no rumor of gospel. No, let the good news resound from these walls and out into the world. Let us join the shepherds this night. Let us glorify and praise our God for Christ the Savior is born. Amen.